I like to tell my students in my class that it's something like 2,000 elephants per second. Wait, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. Did you say 2,000 elephants per second? Are my ears not working? I'm pretty sure she said 2,000 elephants per second, right? That's crazy. And that's how much, how fast and how much energy there is inside of volcanoes. Volcanoes are so powerful. Wait, but what if volcanoes didn't exist? How would that impact the earth or how would that impact our lives as well? Well, in this episode, we're taking a deep dive into the science of volcanoes and answering this question with the help of Dr. Amanda Clark. Dr. Clark studies volcanoes and all this vol amazing volcano science at Arizona State University and knows a lot about volcanoes and is the perfect person to answer this burning question. Let's get right into this amazing interview. Let's go. Hello, Dr. Clark. Hi there. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Good. Good to be here. Thank you so much for joining me today. So can you please introduce yourself to listeners? Yes, my name is Amanda Clark, and I'm currently a professor at Arizona State University in the School of Earth and Space Exploration. I've been there 20 years, and I advise graduate students, I teach courses, and my research is focused on volcanoes and how they erupt, eruption processes, and some level of trying to predict uh, the behavior of future volcanic eruptions. Wow, that's really cool. So how'd you get interested in studying volcanoes? I uh, was an aerospace engineering student back uh, when I was an undergraduate and I did a degree in aerospace engineering and philosophy at Notre Dame. And I had always wanted to be an engineer. I had always wanted to work for uh, something like Boeing aircraft or McDonnell Douglas. And I did a summer internship at Boeing in Seattle, and there was a, a lecture. They gave Friday lectures, and, and the, the staff were expected to go. And one Friday, the, the lecture was about um, the interaction between airplanes and ash in the atmosphere from volcanic eruptions and how dangerous that could be. So the, the person giving the presentation was trains the pilots for... Boeing, and he talked about an incident in Alaska where a, a flight interacted with a, a volcanic plume. They lost functionality of all four engines, and then uh, they finally got those engines restarted before landing safely, but it was a really bad experience. And so from that point on, I became interested in volcanoes, and I started reading everything about them, and I started learning about Mount St. Helens which was near uh, Seattle and so, or which is near Seattle. And so that from that point on, I was, had completely changed my idea. And then um, I decided that I wanted to write a Fulbright application to go to the Philippines where the, the eruption of Pinatubo had just happened. And which was the second largest eruption of the 20th century. And I was able to go to the Philippines for a year and study volcanoes and communities around volcanoes. And so from that point, I had sort of changed my whole career uh, understanding. And so I wanted to do something different. So well, that's really cool. So you've gone from aerospace to volcanoes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. And it's exactly. cool how they're related too. 
Yes. Yeah. They are related. And then I also use, um, I learned a lot of fluid mechanics as an undergraduate student. And so I use fluid mechanics also in studying volcanoes because volcanic eruptions are different kinds of fluids. So there's lava, which is really viscous fluid or really thick, slow moving fluid. And then there's also um, ash and gas, which are fast moving uh, fluids. Uh, and so it's, uh, it's a lot of fluid mechanics in what I do. Wow, that's really cool. So you can see I'm wearing a jacket right now because it's really, really cold down here. Oh, okay. uh -huh. But we're going to get into some of the hot volcano stuff to hopefully help us warm up. All right, great. <laughs> so what are volcanoes and how are they formed? Well, volcanoes are uh, effectively when melted rock erupts at the surface. And it's not just melted rock, which is magma when it's underground, but lava at the surface or pyroclastic material, which I can tell you about more later, but also gases come out. And so they are formed, usually the melting happens about 20 miles underground, something around there. And the rock is melted by a few different mechanisms. One of them is when two plates pull apart from one another. And so where those two plates pull apart, the um, the interior of the earth kind of pops up and that lower pressure allows the rock to melt. So it's not by heating, but it's by uh, depressurization or lowering the pressure. So it's easier to melt rocks when the pressure is lower. Another way that uh, rocks are formed or uh, magma is formed is in subduction zones. So when one plate, plate goes underneath another plate like this, mm -hmm. This plate here has water and that water gets released into this part here. And when you add water vapor to rock, it's also easier to melt it. And so it's not heating, it's, it's really just adding water and that becomes uh, makes the, the rock easier to melt. And so when you get magma in the subsurface under, underground, this melted rock, it wants to come to the surface for different reasons. Either it's under high pressure and it wants to sort of reach the surface that way, or sometimes it has gas bubbles in it, which make it buoyant. And so then it can rise to the surface by buoyancy or both combined. And so this is a, volcanoes are a way for, for gases and melted rock to get to the surface as part of the whole global recycling process. So these rocks get recycled like all the plastic and paper? Uh, kind of, yeah. It's so in that, especially in that subduction zone, I'll start with that. So when this plate is here and this plate goes underneath, this plate is being recycled and it's getting pushed back ultimately somewhere in the interior of the earth, but new material comes out to replace it in, in different parts of the world. So this is the way you can lose the crust of the surface is by subduction, by, lo by losing um, crust, Earth's crust, and then new crust is formed when volcanoes or when magma erupts at the surface. And, and so, and the gases come out. And so that's a big important part on any planet is that volcanoes push ga different gases into the atmosphere. And so gases, created from volcanoes created earth's atmosphere 
Well, that's some really hot science. <laughs> yeah, so we wouldn't we wouldn't have an atmosphere if we didn't have volcanoes. That's going into a question that we're going to answer later, which is mm -hmm. what would happen if volcanoes disappeared. So stay tuned for that amazing question. Mm -hmm. All right, now getting into the really, 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 really warm stuff. <laughs> what happens when volcanoes erupt? Are they really as dramatic as they're shown in movies? Yes. Uh, yes. And in fact, they could be even more dramatic, I think. Oh. So I study mostly explosive volcanic eruptions and they're really violent. And then there are effusive volcanic eruptions that produce lava flows. And so lava flows are um, could can really destroy property that lava can come out quickly and form rivers of lava like you may have seen in the in um, pictures of Hawaii, for example, or Iceland. Um, and sometimes it comes out and it can it can come out slowly in slow lava flow progression. So that's a threat to property, and, but it's not a big threat to human life because usually you can run away from a lava flow, but it can really destroy property. Whereas explosive eruptions, which is the main part of my research, can produce um, millions of cubic meters of ash and gas that gets pushed into the atmosphere. So in, in doing so, it can produce plumes, so big columns of, of ash and gas that rise in the atmosphere to 20 or 30 miles high. And that can push ash and gas into the stratosphere. And at that point, those, those gases and ash can be circulated around the world. Um, sometimes instead of going up completely, some of that material would come to the ground and because it's heavier than the atmosphere and it would travel across the landscape. And those things are traveling really quickly. So they can be traveling 100 or 200 miles an hour or more, depending on where you are. Wow, that's really and curious. they destroy everything in their path. They're four or 500 degrees, maybe more. And they can be really thick clouds of, of ash and gas and pumice. And so that's incredibly destructive. It will bury cities, but it's also moving so quickly that you can't run away from it oh. you can't you it's very difficult it would be very difficult to get out of the way how fast would um, you have to run to outrun those it's faster than okay so the uh something like a uh not as fast as an aircraft flies but faster than a car drives on the highway in okay, some i gotta case. get my workout in then yeah exactly exactly you, there are some tricks sometimes the, the idea would be to to run uphill and because these things that are on the ground, they tend to follow things like river channels or some low topography. But so if you could run uphill, maybe you could get away, but it's <laughs> it's a difficult thing. So those volcanoes are um so the the speed with which the the gas and ash comes out at the vent from the top of the volcano, I like to tell my students in my class that it's something like, 2,000 elephants per second. Oh. So the volcano isn't erupting elephants, but it's the mass or the weight of approximately 2,000 elephants per second that are being pushed out of the, the vent. That's 
And so that's that. And, you know, and that material ends up in the atmosphere. Ash can rain down for uh, hundreds of miles from hundreds of miles away. Or you can have these things that hug the ground and are very dangerous to humans. I still can't wrap my mind around 2000 elephants. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I sort of had to check my math on that, but it's true. Yeah. Yes. It's, It's a couple thousand elephants in terms of the total mass per second. Yeah, it's it's fast. That's yeah. crazy. So, so yeah. now getting to the burning question, literally okay. the burning question. Uh, you like my puns? Yes, I do. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So there's the burning question. What if volcanoes didn't exist? What would the Earth be like? Yeah, that's a really good question that I don't know with certainty the answer. But like I alluded to before, um, if there had never been volcanoes on Earth in the past, we wouldn't have our atmosphere. So the key way in which planets build atmospheres is by outgassing or gases coming out from the interior. And then those gases stick around and form a layered atmosphere. And our atmosphere consists of gases that are that came from the interior of Earth, mostly. And the volcanoes continue to change that atmosphere in, in ways, depending on how many volcanoes are erupting and which kinds of gases are erupting. Those changes can be temporary or permanent. But I guess the real question is if, if volcanoes had never existed, our atmosphere would not exist. If volcanoes stopped erupting, I think we would have a dramatic change in our atmospheric chemistry and possibly the atmosphere would ultimately uh, dissipate and, and, and sort of just leave the planet. I think that's a really hard question. Um, the other thing is that I think the, the plates would maybe stop moving in the same way because this recycling of where the volcanoes build new crust, new land surface, and subduction destroys land surface or underwater sea uh, bed, then we would um, probably have a complete change in the way mountains are, are built everywhere in the world and the way in which earthquakes might change if, if volcanism shut off because the plate motion is very distinctly tied to volcanic activity. But that's a, that's a difficult question. But my first, first uh, answer is the atmosphere would change in some way. So yeah. we wouldn't have this rich atmosphere that we have right now. Could that possibly impact how climate change is going right now? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so, and in fact, it, you know, the, the human caused climate change related to mostly carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases is a, is a big input into the atmosphere. In the past, there have been really big inputs into the atmosphere from very large explosive eruptions. And those big explosive eruptions, or some of them were effusive eruptions, but very, very large lava flows, those have that people think that they have changed the earth's atmosphere and they changed it by cooling the atmosphere or by blocking out the sun by putting in a lot of particulates and which case it's difficult to grow food. 
So the one example that we have that we know about in modern times is Mount Pinatubo, which was 1991, which wasn't, which was kind of a long time ago, but it, it's, it was observed in, with modern techniques. So this volcano put so much sulfur dioxide into the atmosphere that it cooled global temperatures by a couple of degrees wow. for a few years. few years. And so that sulfur dioxide filtered out sunlight. So that is just a, a, an eruption that was the second largest of the 20th century, but we have had much, much bigger eruptions in the past. So a, a much bigger eruption than that could really dramatically change the atmosphere. If it was sulfur dioxide or sulfur compounds that were released by the volcano, I think the atmosphere, the Earth's climate would cool. Uh, some volcanoes release a lot of carbon dioxide. So if a lot of carbon dioxide went into the atmosphere, then that could possibly warm the climate. It's, it's difficult to say, but it's, I think sulfur dioxide is one of the strongest possible uh, agents for cooling the climate from, from volcanic eruptions. So volcanic eruptions really have a big, big role in just the existence of how the earth is right now. So without yes, volcanoes, absolutely. we have to think of volcanoes for our, for our plates and the land that we live on and for our atmosphere. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Yes. That's some really, really amazing science. Yeah, it's it's exciting. I like those connections between atmospheric science, volcanoes, and then the deep earth science. It just yeah. shows that everything is connected. Mm -hmm. Yes. So it what is. advice do you have for kids who are interested in science? Well, the first is to not be afraid. You know, don't be afraid to take the hard classes. Don't be afraid to take a lot of math. Don't think of science as hard. Think of it as exciting. Um, the other thing I would say is try to find uh, good experiences with science that are outside of school. So I went to a summer program in which I uh, did science all summer. And I loved it because I met other kids that weren't at my high school, but that loved science also. So it was a combined experience of finding other people that like similar things to me and having a special experience that was outside the classroom. So it had, it had school things about it, but it was outside a normal high school classroom and no outside of, of, you know, a junior high classroom. So I, I just think trying to find and you know, there are more opportunities out there now for kids from all over the country and all over the world to uh, do short experiences. They could be a weekend or they could be a week in the summer to just try to find fun outside the classroom things to do with science and meet other people that are interested in the same things. And then, of course, you know, just don't be afraid to take uh, difficult courses. Uh, and then the other thing is I changed my mind. I was in engineering and then I shifted my focus and I was able to use my engineering training to do something different. So don't be afraid to shift as you get older and change and have different experiences. So I, that's my advice. That's some really great advice. Thank you so much for talking to me today. I really enjoyed it and I learned so much about volcanoes. 
I'm sure my listeners finally got their burning question answered. Yeah, thank you. Thank so you. Much. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I love your I love your site and I, I love your podcast. It's you're doing a really great job. So thanks thank you for so having much. Do you want to go hike up a volcano now? Yes. Well, it's a, in the winter. It's a little late, but uh, uh, yes. We can try. I, um... Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Spectacular Science. Spectacular Science is produced and hosted by me, Akshay J. Raman. Our theme song and additional music are by Charan Ramachandran. Special thanks to Dr. Amanda Clark for accepting my interview invite and for her time. I really enjoyed it. I learned so much about volcanoes during this interview. Thank you so much. Please visit my podcast website, SpectacularSci.com, to find interactive activities, articles, and blog posts. That's SpectacularSci.com. Do you have a science question that you want answered on a Spectacular Science episode? If you do, well, head over to SpectacularSci.com slash contact and grab a parent and send me your amazing science questions. I love to see your amazing science question. I will answer them in some of these upcoming episodes. Thank you so much. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening right now. It really encourages me and you'll be up to date on all the new episodes. Subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next episode of Spectacular Science next week. Keep thinking about science.